Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today's episode is about emotional intelligence, and I'm so excited to give a special warm welcome to my dear friend from Australia, Stephanie Pinto. (laughs) Stephanie is an emotional intelligence coach who specializes in helping parents to create an emotionally intelligent family culture at home. She supports parents in learning how to manage their emotions, frustrations, and stress so that they are happier, calmer, and connected more deeply with their kids. She also helps parents to raise emotionally intelligent kids who are self-aware and manage their own emotions and their own behaviors. She is also passionate about building kids' confidence, their resilience, as well as does this through one-on-one coaching, workshops, and group programs. So, Stephanie, let's dive in and talk about what emotional intelligence is for some of our listeners who may not be familiar with the term or may not have as much knowledge as they'd like to have about it. So can you kind of give us your uh, definition of what that is? Yeah, definitely. Um, Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really, really grateful to be here. I just love sort of sharing a bit about emotional intelligence or EQ. Sometimes I call it so if I just flip and say EQ, then <laughs> then hopefully that's all right. But um, yeah, really to me, I guess emotional intelligence is the short, short version is really just managing ourselves well and managing our emotions. If I go by kind of the definition that I was trained under as I became a certified EQ coach, that's really about being aware of our own emotions, but also those of others in the moment, and then being able to use that information to guide our actions, make good decisions, um, and change our behaviors. So you can kind of see there, it's, the, it's that self-awareness of how we're uh, functioning in our emotions, but also the awareness of other people. That could be our kids, could be our spouse, people at work. And then using that as information, like I'm a huge believer in saying emotions are, they're not messy, they're not fluffy, they're not to be swept aside or under the rug. They're actually really highly intelligent assessments of our inner personal functioning. So we need to listen to them and learn from them. Wow. I, I love what you shared because I think the way you broke it down really helps people to think about it in simple terms. And really when we simplify it, it's information right? It's information about ourselves. It's information about the other. And if we are aware in that moment, we're able to act accordingly. So I guess as you were sharing this, what popped up in my head was whatever others are doing is not ours to take on. And, you know, I, I work with a lot of people, I imagine you do too, who feel like they're hijacking their kids' emotions. You know, their kids sad, <laughs> so they become sad. Kids, you know, disappointed, they, they're disappointed too. And yet, we don't have a right, do we, to hijack? I mean, in my, in my world, I don't think we have a right to hijack or yeah. take on another person's emotional uh, information. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. And to be honest, that's when we do that, which can come naturally, unfortunately, because we have that empathy and, and our kids can be emotional and we, 
you're right. We kind of take that on and think, oh, if my kids are upset, angry, frustrated, um, stressed, then that that can come on to us. And to be honest, it's a disservice to ourselves and our kids if we allow that to happen because we're not then able to hold hold space for them, have our own, come with that calm, centered, grounded, I've got you, I'm here, um, you know, it's okay to feel like that. If we're jumping in the pool with them, so to speak, and we take on the emotion, then it just doesn't help anyone. Right. And, and this is, as you said, not just our kids. It's really about anyone. And as you're sharing this, I, I remembered doing the disservice um, a couple of years ago when my daughter was struggling with a couple of her roommates. And it was just god awful. I mean, really got to the point that she needed to get out of there. It was, it was uh, toxic. You know, toxic, yeah. And what they were doing was just unbelievable to her. So um, I remember her sharing one evening, very upset with tears. And, and I hung up from her thinking, you know, this was my problem to solve at first for a moment, <laughs> because we do that, right? We're yeah. <laughs> and, and I started to get upset and think, oh, my gosh, you know, this is awful. I can't believe it. And I thought, hold on here. <laughs> this is not mine. And I need to step back. I know that she can figure this out and she will solve it. She's very intelligent. So I think the belief is also important in especially our children, but in the other, that they can find a way to move through it with us holding the space, maybe offering some guidelines or some thoughts to help raise, you know, as you beautifully do, um, you know, talk about in your work, emotionally intelligent kids, kids who are aware and can manage and move through their emotions mm-hmm. in a successful way for them. And I use yeah. that successful way for them with emphasis because they're not moving through their emotions in a successful way for us. Right? Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's the child's emotions and solutions that need to come to the table to raise their awareness and to help them learn how to move through things in a way that serves them. Yeah, you're right. Because we can't always be, you know, we're not always going to be there to um, help our kids problem solve, fix the solution, resolve things and, and, and um, things like that. We have to um, even, you know, even when they're young, start getting them to internalize some of those emotional regulation um, skills, just that being aware of their emotions. So, so, you know, it's a, it's not um, a, it's not rocket science in a way. When I kind of explain it to parents, I say it's, it's a little tiny skills that we can give our kids in day-to-day experiences because kids are experiential learners and it's things like my kids are three and six. So they, they're little, but they're, they're already learning about how to recognize their emotions um, in their body. What does it feel like physiologically? Understand it. What does it mean? Why are they coming up? Um, to label them appropriately um, most of the time, because a lot of kids have happy, sad, angry, and that's about it in their emotional vocab. So I'm a huge believer of expanding that and talking about um, things like frustrated or anxious or nervous or worried or excited or um, overjoyed, things like that, because then our kids are actually able to label what they're feeling um, and then express it a little bit more appropriately rather than maybe lashing out or getting upset or something like that. And then obviously, lastly, being able to just in some way regulate um, a little bit of that regulation, which I, I don't even really much talk about self-regulation anymore. It's kind of, we've got to co-regulate with our kids mm. so that they can start to internalize, oh, well, maybe I can 
if I'm frustrated, I can maybe do this or I can ask for help or if I'm angry, what can I do about it? So co-regulation is such a, I'm so glad you brought that up. And, you know, in working with our children, not our, only are we helping them, but we're also modeling for them. So talk about, if you don't mind, how important it is for us to recognize ourselves in this co-regulation process. Oh, that, that's huge. And to be honest, I kind of see it as half, the, half of the work, being able to manage our own, as parents, um, emotions and stress and uh, when we're triggered and frustrations because let's face it sometimes our kids will trigger us every day <laughs> and mm -hmm. if we're if we are not able to um, manage that and put that aside and then hold space for our kids to navigate what they're going through then we're you know we can't give what we don't have right so we're not helping them to um, have that sort of we're not able to come with that calm centered um, approach of, okay, I'm here. It's an opportunity. I'll help you through it rather than oh, a burden again. You're upset five times this week. Come on. So it's a very different. Um, it's almost like a different approach from the get go that you think, okay, I'm, I'm going to learn to um, do some digging and work into managing my own emotions, particularly when my kids trigger me or frustrate me. And then I've, I'm able to give my kids that kind of space to be, I'm patient and I'm tolerant and I'm compassionate and I'm empathetic, uh, empathetic and then I can help them to navigate what they're going through. Does that make sense? <laughs> Ab absolutely. It makes total sense. And, you know, I think one of the big things for parents to remember is in today's age, our children are watching what we're doing, not necessarily honing in on what we tell them to do, but mm. seeing how we live our life in a way in which we suggest for them. So, you know, we, we are not only the models, but it's not like when I was a kid, it used to be do what I say, not what I do. And mm -hmm. now it's, you're going to do what I do. So I need to show up in the best possible way to model for you how important living connected and aware to, you know, with our own emotions is for me and for you child yeah you know i i love that 100 percent. and you're right in that um kids are almost you know we, we always say kids are sponges they're learning from us and they they are they're learning from every single experience that they encounter um so particularly when they're young in that kind of zero to seven age kids are really watching learning experiencing and putting what i call like these little software programs away in their brain that makes helps them make sense of their world so it is it is really um really key for us to remember as adults all the like you know in one hand on one hand you've got so many opportunities of experiences just to connect with your kids communicate with them ask them questions and talk about feelings given those emotional um, vocabulary so there's lots of things we can do and it's little day-to-day -day experiences and chats and conversations it's not um, like I said before it's not kind of rocket science it's just getting back to those um, those foundational things and yes kids are definitely watching us so if we're snapping at our spouse or our partner when something goes wrong or if we berate ourselves when we make a mistake um, all things like that, our kids are learning from, yeah, how we are behaving. I'm glad you mentioned that snapping and, and berating because <laughs> I think it's really important to look at the human side 
of us humans, right? So yeah. perhaps on a particular day, we're feeling exhausted or hangry or whatever the case may be, and we're not our true selves and we snap or we mm-hmm. berate or we do something <laughs> that we don't necessarily want to model for our children. So let's talk about, you know, in, in the work that you do and how you help parents today, what are your thoughts and suggestions in how they represent themselves when something like that occurs? Yeah. Yeah, um, I love that you said we're human because that sometimes just takes some of the pressure off. Even me, I think, oh, I do this for a living. I've researched it, studied it. <laughs> and then I think, oh, my God, I snapped at my kids the other day. <laughs> but, you know, to, to know that we're human and we're going to have those days, like you said, when um, we're not feeling the best or our cup is not full, so to speak, um, it's actually really, really beneficial. And this is a really practical exercise that parents can do. And it's called, um, or it's, it's really about looking at being aware of your setting conditions and your triggers. So if we think about something that triggers us, that might be the, the behavior that our kids show, um, like, uh, you know, making a big mess on the floor and we flip our lid and we might shout or get upset or whatever it is. So that, that's the trigger, that, that actual behavior, whatever's said or done. Before that, though, and this is kind of what you were just speaking about, is the setting conditions that lead up to um, a trigger. And setting conditions are things that happen in your environment that are, um, they make your trigger more likely to happen. So a setting condition can be something like uh, you haven't had a good night's sleep, you're feeling a little bit under the weather, you're, um, you've got bad news or a project at work's fallen through, plans have changed, those kind of things. So if you get to know, have a think about it and reflect on it, what are my setting conditions? Um, For me, it's things like a lot of noise when the kids are playing, it's noisy, the dog is barking, the TV's up loud. If I'm feeling a bit unwell or maybe if, um, you know, I've got my period or something like that, like those are setting conditions that make a trigger more likely to happen. So then I'm triggered again what are your triggers? What are things that make you flip your lid? You've probably, you can probably count already <laughs> three things that when your kids, maybe when they um, are defiant and say no, when they refuse or when they don't listen um, and things like that. So get to know your setting conditions, get to know your triggers. And then you've got like that data and that information um, to look at, okay, well, after that, how am I reacting and how can I then shift that or, or at least anticipate it coming to then make some changes. That's beautiful. And I think intentionality is what comes to mind because when you're aware of how you're feeling, like you describe it as the setting conditions every day, Mm. suddenly you wake up that day, you've had a horrible night's sleep, you know that day is going to be much more difficult than other days. Perhaps you missed a meal. Perhaps, like you said, you know, something with work or work deadline or you're, you're stressed with work or something falls through. When things happen, know that it's going to impact your mm. life. And yeah. so how you bring intention to, to an awareness to every aspect, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I hate those words, but I think in mm-hmm. simple terms, you know, we can see where some of the, the things that don't feel good or maybe feel perhaps, you know, ugly in our life are going to make us overreact or react bigger in situations that may not have triggered us as much or at all. Mm, Yeah. I think, I think you're right on the money there with, you know, just having that intentionality 
And sometimes, you know, when I work with parents, even the fact that they're doing this work and putting time aside and they're setting the intention for like the next week ahead of looking at their, their own behavior, managing their kids, big emotions, that intentionality almost like sets the tone. They're kind of ready for it. They're ready to anticipate it. They welcome sometimes some of those big emotions and the challenging behaviors because they've got some tools in their toolkit, so to speak. So that intentionality is, uh, that's, that's huge. I love that. So let's talk about the tools in the toolkit. So what would be one or two perhaps of your favorite tools or parents that you work with, favorite tools that help them to navigate a situation that, um, that could be, you know, overreacting or they overreact or their child's overreacting or let's just say their child's reacting. We don't want to call it over. Mm -hmm. And there are big emotions in the room. So what are two or three, you know, if you have them uh, in your back pocket, which I'm sure you do, mm -hmm. tools that you would suggest that a parent go to in these yeah. situations as the first step? Okay. Well, even before I suppose our kids um, are having these big emotions or, or displaying those challenging behaviors. And by that, I mean the behaviors that like challenge us <laughs> um, before that happens, a really great strategy. Um, and even this is, it's not so much like a strategy that you implement here or there. It's, it's, I kind of talk away, talk, sorry, talk about um, creating that family culture of emotional intelligence. So it's just your way of being and something that you can do before any behaviors come up or just, you know, throughout your day is build in choice and control for your kids. And what that means is find opportunities. And like we said, be intentional about how can I give my kids some choices here? So they've got some of that autonomy and independence. How can I give them a little bit of control over their day or what they're wearing or eating or playing with? Um, things like that. So when we allow and plan for sometimes giving our kids some choice and control, then we can often see that their behaviors or those challenging behaviors and those sometimes they are just re like requests for connection. Um, you know, I, I kind of reframe this is another little, a little one. I reframe attention seeking into connection seeking because our kids do just want to connect with us. They want our time and our love and, and that's really natural. So um, giving them choice and control can often reduce some of those um, big moments because they feel that connection to us. So that would be the first thing. Um, and then the second one is when we're in the midst of it, <laughs> when we're in the moment um, of an emotion, big emotional expression from our kids, Often what parents want to do, and, and it's just natural because, we, you know, we're busy, we've got things to do, and it is distressing seeing our kids being really upset or angry. We just want to nip it in the bud and fix it and, and calm them down and bring them back to equilibrium. Unfortunately, that, that's not giving our kids this, the skills or the tools to um, recognise and understand the emotions and, and regulate them a little bit, problem solve. So what we can do in the moment is... Let's imagine our kids are getting really um, upset because they've fallen off their scooter and they're a bit hurt, which is often what happens to my, <laughs> my two kids. Um, I will make sure that initially I'm helping them just to quickly label what they're feeling. And I'll label it for them because my kids are still young and I'll say, oh, buddy, you look really hurt. You look really upset. Come over here. Let me have a look. So I'm just building his emotional vocabulary that way by just labeling quick and easy then I will um, make sure I'm kind of conveying a bit of that 
empathy and, and validating his feelings. If he's upset, but it looks like a scratch to me, then he's upset. That's okay. Like it's painful for him, you know? So I say, wow, um, you look really upset. Oh, you've got a scratch. That would hurt. I get it. I wouldn't like that either. So it's a really quick empathize and validate with what they're feeling. Love that. Um, Then we can, you know, continue to hold that space for them. Allow him, like if my, my son's six and if he sometimes blows up and it's upset and cries more than my three-year-old, well, that's okay because that's how he's dealing with it. Um, I, I still will then, there's a little part here that parents sometimes miss out. This is make sure you set the limits if you need to. So if he's starting to lash out at me or hit or kick or something, I say, hey, I get it, you're so angry or you're so upset and hurt. That's no good. I, I wouldn't want to be, um, you know, I can see a bit of blood there. But then I say, but you do not hit me or I will not let you kick me. So I will insert that limit because we need to have boundaries for our kids. Yes, they, we want to allow them to express their emotions and, and feel what they feel. But kids will also thrive when they have those boundaries to know what's appropriate and what is going a bit too far in the sense that it might hurt someone or be hurtful kind of thing. And then just the last step is um, helping them to problem solve what they, what they can do now to move through that emotion or, or move on with the day. So, you know, if your kids are a bit younger, you can give them what I call like a binary choice, which is just giving them two options saying, do you want to sit with me for a bit? Or do you want to go back on your scooter? Um, do you want to go and apologize or do you want to give it back to him? Cause you took it. So giving them some options or just prompting that problem solving, it's kind of that growth mindset that we want to see our kids have. <laughs> I feel this way. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. It's, it's not too bad, but I do want to move on and move through this. So mm. it's kind of, you know, in the moment, just do the labeling, labeling, empathize and validate with their feelings, set limits if you need to, but then help them problem solve and, and move on with the day. That's so beautiful. And um, I love the validate. You know, I, I think that that's one of the most important things that we can be doing with our children is to validate their feelings, emotions, you know, like you said, whether it's a scratch mm-hmm. or, you know, bleeding out all over the place, it doesn't matter. It's their mm-hmm. own feeling and we don't have a right to, to judge it being too big or too small. And yeah. um, the second thing I just wanted to highlight that I think is, is, so important is I love the two options with problem solving. And as they get older, it's an opportunity. You're, you're creating the space for them to learn. You're creating the space for the emotional intelligence to kick in and mm-hmm. the confidence that they will, you know, grow up with in knowing that they have abilities and you have belief in them and their abilities to be able to problem solve. So as they get a little older, you know, maybe a few years for your children, then you might be able to say to them, I see you're feeling this way. What do you think would be some good options or a good option in moving forward? What would you like to do to solve this, to fix this? And even if they hurt somebody else, setting the groundwork in this way helps them to see that, well, it might feel good to apologize. And they mm-hmm. say it themselves instead of the leading, right? Mm. Yeah, I think... Um we want our kids to ultimately internalize these skills that we're modeling and providing for them. So yes, now we'll give them a couple of options or we'll say, do you want to try this? But over time, like imagine if we're doing this and setting the groundwork, like you said, now for, for young kids, even if your kids are a bit older, imagine when they're, you know, 15, 16, 17, they go through a breakup or a friendship breakdown or, or they're caught cheating on a test or something like that. And, then they're going to have those skills to think, well, I don't need to sit in this emotion or this feeling. 
I can do something about it. And what can, you know, what are some options for me? Like you said, these, our kids are going to be adults one day. And I just, for one, I think I want to create that foundation of, you know, they're aware, they have that self-awareness, they have the confidence, they're resilient, they know how to talk about what they're feeling and move through it with some, with some tools in their toolkit. So for me, that's, um, I guess that's kind of why I do this. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful and so important today. So every day. But I, as you were talking, I was imagining a child at school actually sharing some of their tools with another child. And so, you know, I think that the, the ability for this, you know, this way of living to spread has potential because our kids can show up for other kids when they have the groundwork that, you know, you're teaching and they can help someone else move through their emotions in a way that serves them that may not have this foundation. So no matter what it looks like, it's never too late, never too late. Even if you have adult kids, which I do, it's, it's never too late to bring this to the forefront to help our children and help ourselves learn how to manage our emotions and the emotions of others around us. And as you said, you know, so beautifully at the beginning, bring more self-awareness to what that information is conveying. Mm, yeah, I love that. It's it's um, something that I feel like I've I've reached my calling of this is what I need to do. I need to share this message. I, I can see how powerful it is. I can see within just a, you know, starting to implement some of these strategies and making it your way of being in your family. It's I, I don't say it lightly. It's life changing mm-hmm. for you and your kids. And then think of the generations that keep going. They're going to bring their kids up with the tools that you've we've given them absolutely and the time is now the time is mm-hmm. now and i just i since we met i've just been so touched by the work that you do and what you share i'd love for you to share a little bit about that with our listeners so that they can learn more about you and and actually find your location your online <laughs> location let's say <laughs> <laughs> yes i would love that um thank you thank you so much for the opportunity i'd love to let people know that they can find me online um, i'm i'm mostly on facebook um, i run a facebook community a facebook group called let's raise emotionally intelligent kids so you're more than welcome to join the conversation there um, i'm always sharing sort of tips info strategies and things like that Um, I have a YouTube channel where I put out um, some nice little clips and videos, just little kind of um, digestible bites of how to do this stuff with your kids. And um, I I do have a website, which is just stephaniepinto.com, nice and easy. And uh, if you wanted to sort of come along to a more social online get together, I run a monthly meetup online and um, parents from anywhere in the world, uh, which is exciting, can come along and join the conversation once a month and chat about emotionally intelligent parenting and how we can do this for our kids. So um, my meetup group is it's just on meetup.com and the group is called Emotionally Intelligent Parents Sydney. Uh, but now it is international. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. That's awesome. And again, you know, thank you for what you do in the world and how you help parents and children and, you know, the, the generation after that. So it's really going to be one of the key factors, I think, that has uh, effects, you know, from now through the end of time. 
or I at least hope so, right? <laughs> Me too. That's what we're striving so. for and doing this work. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm really appreciative. Thank you for having me on and letting me um, chat away. <laughs> oh, absolutely. To all the listeners, please make sure that you look Stephanie up and follow her. She shares so many amazing things and is just so great at what she does. And for all joining us, thank you for your commitment and participation today. We appreciate you tuning into this episode. And remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.